What's going on, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bullpen Bros. As always, I'm your host, Matt Contreras, back with you guys for yet another episode. I know it's coming out a little later than we had originally planned. I know we originally planned on an episode coming out on Tuesday, the day, um, Tuesday, the week before opening, or sorry, Tuesday, the couple days before opening day. Sorry, my words are all over the place today. Um, I know we had planned originally to get one out before then, so we had like an opening day preview and we can do all that, but unfortunately, I did not have the time to sit down and be able to record like I originally planned to. Um, I've been really busy. I uh, recently just got a second job, uh, so I'm working two jobs right now, so trying to figure out my schedule on when to record, when I can't record. Um, you know, just trying to figure everything out is kind of what's keeping me from being on the schedule I want to. So as of today, I'm recording on Saturday, so we're a couple days into season. Um, the Yankees are 2-0. You know, who would have thought that going up against the Red Sox? Um, you know, I'm excited to see where the season goes. You know, I like the, the way the lineup's shaping out for the Yankees right now. I have yet to watch pretty much any other baseball other than the Yankees just because I've been so busy. Um, but I've been able to keep an eye on, on some of the players I think I had notable to watch. Like, I think uh, Arenado went 4-4 today, which I thought was really big. Um, so I'm excited to see where the season goes. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to be surprise teams. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to, you know, overperform. And then I think there's going to be some teams that we expected to be that top team that are going to fall down and be a little bit of disappointments, you know, but um, I think it's still too early in the season to really tell who that is going to be. So I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But um, with that said, guys, we're going to get this episode started. We're going to get kicked off. I'm excited for this episode, breaking down the top 10 list. I got every position written down from MLB standpoint and then my standpoint on, uh, you know, for the rankings, I didn't really go that far off. Um, you know, I had a couple of names I kind of wanted to add. And if I did, I wrote them in as like honorable mentions, but I really kept it to that top 10 list to where I just kind of reordered it. If I had any different feelings, according to what they had, I just kind of switched it all up um, a little bit. But other than that, guys, it's pretty much all the same list. I'm going to give you guys my thoughts on certain ones, you know, give you guys a little bit of perspective on the screen and give you guys um, a look at what I always see whenever I go into doing these podcasts, give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes look. Um, right now, you guys are listening to My Kind of Party by Jason Aldean. So if you guys have yet to hear that song, be sure to go give that song a listen. Um, it's one of my favorite country songs, one of my favorite baseball country songs I always listen to when uh, I was always playing. You know, it was one of those songs that always got me a little bit hyped up before the game. And uh, one of those ones that, you know, is always just a feel good song. So with that said, guys, we're going to get this episode popping, you know, um, and before we get started, I wanted to I wanted to get you guys thoughts on this. You know, I've always been one to always um, want to know what you guys thoughts are as far as names. You know, um, when I originally started this, I had it started with me and Brendo. You know, we were going to take this ride together, you know, start this podcast to why we're doing this together. And we were um, just kind of. Can see where it took us um, with Brendo's schedule and him unable to be really be able to be here and record. Um, that's why I've been doing this by myself for so long. I think he ended up dropping off at like stopping at episode one, if I'm mistaken, after a couple pilot episodes. Um, you know, one of my best friends, you know, we started this together and out of respect for him, he's still able to come back anytime he wants to. He knows that. Um, but, you know, since it is just me, I kind of want to go into a name change. You know, I feel like bullpen bros. When you click on it, you're expecting two people. I mean, our logo is literally two people, me and Brendo's uh, Bitmoji side by side. Um, so I kind of wanted to see your thoughts on possibly doing a name change. If you guys want to shoot me name ideas, you know, if you guys have something on the top of your head that you guys like or 
they thought it'd be very clever for me or anything. Just any opinions, honestly, you know, even feedback or whatever. Be sure to reach out to me, guys. My my socials for Instagram and Twitter are Matt22Contreras. And then on my TikTok, if you're not following the Boys Don't Lie TikTok already, I highly encourage you guys to go and do that. If not, you guys are more than welcome to follow me. It is Matt Contreras 22 because Matt 22 was already taken. So whoever took that name from me, how dare you? That was my name on all socials and you just ruined that. So makes more work for you guys. But anyways, it's just Matt, Matt Contreras 22. So if you guys want to go check that out, I plan on getting a little bit more content out um, on both channels. You know, I just recently got MLB The Show. I'm going to try to get some gameplay out for you guys, whatever you guys want to see, whether you want to see like a Siri uh, team build where she picks out my team or uh, whatever the case may be. You know, let's just we'll see where this goes. You know, I got MLB The Show. I love playing the game. So I figured, you know, why not just kind of incorporate that with the podcast and see if there's something you guys want to see. We'll incorporate that as well. Um, but that's also a good way also guys, for you guys to send me fan questions. Um, if you guys have any thoughts about the show or just want to send me a message, that's a good way to reach me. All socials, I believe on my Instagram, I have the link tree to the podcast and it has, I think everyone's socials on there from Ashe, Samari, Tim, Owen, all of our socials are all on there. So if you guys have any questions or anything you guys want me to pass along to one of the guys, or if you guys want to go ahead and do that, feel free to go give me a follow or click on that link tree, whatever the case may be. It's all there at your disposal. Um, with that being said, guys, we're going to get started with our warm-up pitch like we always do. Our special segment that we use to get started with fan questions, anything that's going on in baseball right now. Um, kind of like hot topics, we're going to be able to sit down and talk about it. So with that being said, I want to sit down and I want to talk about the Garrett Cole incident. So Garrett Cole um, and the Yankees had like a little bit of a ceremony with Billy Crystal throughout the first pitch ceremony. And they were scheduled for a certain start, whether that be, I think it was like a 05 start. So in baseball, usually you have like a, uh, 10 05, I believe it's like an increment. So it's like 10 05 and you have a afternoon game. I think it's like a one Oh five start and then baseball or night games are like seven Oh five starts. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong in that times. Um, anyway, they were set to take the field at a certain time. And Gary Cole's start got pushed back a little bit further just because of the ceremonies or whatever they were doing for the opening day game um, and pushed it back. So then Cole's start actually didn't get to go on the mound until I thought it was like 10-10. In my time, it was like 10-10, and he was upset about it, which I I know there's a lot of people that are going to go out there and be like, oh, wow, he's just being a baby. I can't believe he thinks that four minutes, five minutes of you sitting down is really going to make a big difference whether or not you do good in your inning or your start or not. You know, as a pitcher, I highly disagree with those people that say that because as a pitcher myself, I have my own routine. I had a routine that I always did. Guys that have played with me can easily attest to this. I did the same thing every day. Um, pre-game, I would always start at the foul line, do a couple skips, and I'd run out touch center field. And then I would kind of just stand in the middle of center field, doing my stretches, stretching out my legs. Um, And this went for when I was a starter in high school, too. I was a starter in high school and then went to the bullpen um, in college just because, well, I don't know why, but um, I think it was just because my stuff is probably more effective, more so in the bullpen short term than it was long term, um, which is completely fine. You know, I I played my role no matter which way it comes. I think that's the way it should always be. You know, um, coaches know best, in my opinion, so. That was my take on that. So I always had the same thing I did. So I can see where Garrett Cole came from because as a starter, like I said, I always ran out to the center field. I stretched out my legs. I would then come back. I would stretch out my legs even more with my band, stretch out my hammies, um, everything, you know, just the best I could to get my body loose. And, you know, my pitching coach always had a time, uh, a clock running. 
he would tell me whether it be um, five minutes so I needed to start throwing, I'd be okay, then I'll start throwing. And then from there, go into the bullpen. You know, there's guys when you pitch, there are some guys that like to go in straight from the mound to the game to where their body's hot and they're ready to go. And then there are other guys that like to come in, sit for a little bit, and then go into the game. So there's different ways you could go about doing this. And I think from the way Cole reacted, he's one of those guys that likes to come in, get a quick drink, then go straight out to the mound because his body's hot and it's ready to go, right? So with that being said, I can completely see where the frustration on Garrett Cole's part came from because having that four minutes from you going from the bullpen, then waiting that four minutes and going into the game is a really – I know it doesn't seem like a big difference, but it really is from a pitcher's standpoint. Um, it can cause your body to get a little bit less hot, um, less loose. You know, it's just it's a different feeling. It's hard to describe it unless you've actually done it and you've and you felt it. So it's a little weird to try to describe on here with you guys. Um, but the best way to put it, it's like you going to run the mile without stretching and then expecting you to have a great time. You know, you're not going to have a great t- a great running time if you haven't stretched out because you're going to end up getting tight you're, you're going to end up getting um you know fatigued because you're not properly warmed up you know as opposed to you being able to go out there and get your um you know your warm-ups and doing your light jog your um high knees you know your butt kickers whatever the case may be there's a lot of things that a lot of people do to get themselves warm and i think that's the case in cole's situation to where he needs that time to just go from from the bullpen quick drink to the game. You know, he can't have that sit time or else his body has that little different fatigue. And then I guess you could always see the argument too, where they're like, well, he sits in between innings. Yeah, he does, but you don't know if there's something else that he does in between innings. Like me, I was a pacer. I paced in between innings to keep my body warm. You know, I was, I probably made a lot of my teammates um, on edge by how much I paced, but I was a pacer in between innings. If I was getting ready to go out to the next round, I hated sitting down. You know, I liked being able to move around. I liked being involved in the game still. I like doing all these little things to keep my body warm. So I think that's where Cole comes in, in this whole situation. Um, So I'm not going to fault the guy for his emotions and the way he showed it. I think there was a way to go about it differently. Um, But at the same time, though, I completely understand where that guy's coming from and why he felt the way he did um, regarding it all. So... With that being said, that was kind of my whole spiel and take on the whole Gary Cole situation. I thought he could have went about it a little differently, but at the same time, there is a little bit difference as far as um, pitchers go. You know, like I said, whether you need to go straight to, from the bullpen of the game or you need to sit. And I'm assuming he's probably one of those guys that needs to go straight from the bullpen to the game. Um, next question I wanted to attack is from Jose B, who said, Hey, Matt, what's your prediction for opening day games? You know, like I said, I am recording this a couple days later, so I do know who's won and who hasn't won. You know, as of right now, I'm very impressed with the Phillies. Um, I can't, I can't, I'm sorry, Jose, I can't really answer to the point of my predictions because the predict, I mean, I'm recording this a little bit later than I expected it to, expected to. So I'm not able to give you guys my prediction on the games, but I will tell you the teams that have surprised me so far, the teams I kind of expected to perform the way they have. Um, the Phillies have come out on fire. Um, Cassianos hit a bomb today. Schwarber hit a bomb, I believe, in his first at bat with the with the Phillies. Um, so those two are settling into Philly really, really well. The Mariners are looking really good as well with um, Rodriguez, his rookie center. I believe he's a center fielder. I could be wrong. I don't want to be misquoted. Um, Rodriguez is outshining everything right now. You know, Bobby Wood's doing really good. There's a lot of good baseball going on right now. And Arenado, I think, went four for four today. You know, my 
take on NL MVP. That's my front runner right now, who I think is going to come out come out and have a big season this year. Um, that's going to take that next step. I'm going to give that Cardinals team um, a different look, you know, because I think that's what they were missing. You know, they have Tyler, they have O'Neill, they have Goldschmidt, and now if they are able to get Arenado back the way he used to be, I think they're going to be a scary team to watch. Um, so I'm sorry, Jose, I can't really give you guys give you my prediction, but those are the teams so far that have really jumped out in my eyes um, as this far a couple days into opening day or a couple days into season. Um, I think the, I can even throw the Yankees on there. I didn't expect them. I expected them to win the series, but I didn't think I would expect them to go two game two games to none so far on the Red Sox. You know, um, you know, I might be <laughs> um, underappreciating what my Yankees can do, but Sevy looked really good today. The bullpen's been fantastic. Um, you know, I'm really excited for this Yankee ball club. So that's another team I guess I can say that's really has surprised me as well. Um, next up is a give me one second while I pull up something really quick i need i forgot to write down this fan's name and i want to give him the proper shout out because i like giving you guys shout outs for when you guys send in messages like something like this um this message is oh this question is from steve griffin um and he is asking me my thoughts on the mlb top 10 so as i told you guys the mlb did put out a list of the top 100 players i don't think i'm gonna go over that um, after all, just cause after thinking about it, that is a very, very long process. Um, even if we were to cut it down in segments, you know me, I like to talk. I've always told you guys that, and I guess you guys can tell that by how long these episodes pretty much are. You know, I'm talking a whole hour, hour 15 by myself. And could you guys only imagine if I had someone else with me? Ooh, boy, that would be like a two hour, probably two and a half hour show. You know, like they're like when I did used to do these shows with Brendo. Um, our shows, like we would have to try to cut it down and not give you guys all of what we wanted to say because him and I like to talk. So our shows were able to run a lot longer than what we had originally planned them to be. Um, so yeah, with that being said, we're not going to do the hundred, but I will break down the final 10 and give you guys if I, if I agree with it or not. So at 10, Ronald Acuna came in at 10, which I thought was a shock. I thought, um, Acuna definitely is in the top 10. I believe on my list, I had him at six, if I'm mistaken. Um, I, I should have brought my notes out for that one. But I believe I had him in my top ten. Uh, Freddie Freeman's at nine. Vlad Jr. is at eight. DeGrom's at seven, rightfully so. Mookie Betts is at six. See, um, and in my list, I believe I had Mookie Betts just outside of that top ten. I want to say I had Mookie Betts at 11 because he was on that border of, or I believe it was Mets and uh, Vlad Jr. That They were right there on the brink of making my list, but then I kind of thought about it. And it was like, I don't know. Like I want to add them on there, but then at the same time, it's like, I'm not sure um, if they're top 10 worthy. You know what I mean? So um, I had them just outside of my top 10. Um, Harper is at five. Soto is at four. Tatis is at three. Trout is at two. And then Otani is at one. Um, for me, having the two, one and two flip-flopped for me makes a big statement. Um Although you're thinking probably like they're the one and two best player in baseball. Like, does it really make a big difference for me? Yeah, because, you know, it's just the way it's laid out. You know what I mean? Like Otani is the best player in baseball because he's able to pitch and hit and do the things that he does. You know, I was watching um, MLB Network the other day and they were like, you know, what makes him so special is that he's has a capability of being a DH one day. And going out there and being able to give you six, seven strong innings the next day and still being able to hit in that same game, which I, and I mean, he did that in his start, I believe on 
Friday. I believe he finished his inning, came in, and then hit. And which I thought was really, really crazy. The fact that he's able to hit for himself in a ball game that he's actually pitching in is kind of cool. Um, and I'm really happy that MLB allows that to happen because that's a big thing for the Angels to be able to have in their lineup, even when he's pitching. So, and, but in my opinion, though, I still feel like Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. When he's healthy, that dude brings a dynamic and brings a type of life to that Angels ball club that no one else can bring. You know, with, oh, I mean, you can't go wrong. You have the one and two best players in baseball. So, I mean, you're going to be just fine. But Mike Trout is just a different level ball player. He is one of the best to ever do it. He is one of the best to ever roam around center field. He is the best player in baseball, in my opinion. So, although Otani does do the things he's able to, uh, he's capable of doing, I still think Trout nudges Otani in that aspect of uh, that area of being the best player in baseball. Despite of what Otani can do, Trout is just, hands down in my opinion the best player in baseball um so i would have otani and otani and trout flipped so i would have trout at one and otani at two um tatis jr and come on like tatis jr is not the third best player in baseball i am so sorry um if you're a padres fan i think you can even agree with me his defense is shaky sometimes and his at bat is where he makes majority of his living he has a great bat he has a great parents great great baseball personality but his defense is where it shakes you know for me when I think of a top 10 best player, I'm not saying Tatis isn't a top 10 best player. I still think he is. But to be in that top 10 worthy, I feel like you have to have all the tangibles put together. As far as you being able to field really well at your position, being able to hit and hit for power. You're a true five tools player, in my opinion, that makes you a top five player in the game. You know, you have that elite of elite factor to put yourself in that top five category, which Otani has, Trout has. Soto has, and they have Bryce Harper, who I believe has that as well. So for me, that's four solid guys that easily do fit this list. And if I were to probably move one of these guys up, I would probably have to move up. Honestly, Mookie Betts could be top five worthy. I could see Mookie Betts being easily a top five player. If anything, I would switch. Probably, I would slide everyone up and then move Tatis from three to six and move probably Betts from six to five because I, I i mean after thinking about it i mean looking over this list i think Betts is probably a top five worthy player gives you everything he has on defense hits for cap power hits for contact runs really well plays a solid center field um has a great or plays solid outfield has a great arm and just makes reason no one else can make you know i mean he's just a great ball player like you said, the Dodgers lineup is just filled with all-stars, as you can see literally on this page. You have Freddie, you have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts who are on literally on the same team. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if there's anything about this list, that's probably the one thing I have um, is the Trout-Otani discussion and then having Tatis 3, I don't agree with. Um, other than that, I do agree that these guys are probably all the top 10 best players in baseball. It's just the way they're ranked out, I guess, is where I have the problem, which... Um, it's just my opinion. You know, um, I don't know what MLB baseball used, whether they had fan votes or um, they were voted on by their own peers. I know they do that sometimes. I think NFL does that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, NFL votes on their – is voted on by their peers, their top 100 list. And uh, they have the interviews and such with the players and letting them know, like, what their thoughts are, like, certain players. So um, I don't know how they made their list, but I know how they made the top 10 list for uh, MLB Network. So I don't know if they use the same same type of things, but that was another thing with the top 100 list. You know, there were top 10s in baseball. If they did use the same metrics, there were some things where on MLB Network's top 100 list that didn't match up with MLB Network's um, t- 
top 10 in each position. Like, I want to say Burns was higher than Woodruff on the MLB top 100, but then Woodruff was higher than Burns on the top 10 starting pitchers in the game. I think, and that goes for a couple other position players too. I was like, okay, if you're going to make a top 10 right now brought to you by MLB Network, I feel like your list should kind of correspond with the list you guys just put out. You know what I mean? Like your top 100 list and your top 10 list should kind of go hand in hand and they should be fairly similar in my opinion. Um, But that's my thoughts on the top 10. I didn't think it was that far off. I do agree. Like I said, that these guys are the top 10 best players at their position. Um, However, I would um, order it a little bit differently. Um, So last but not least, um, this one is very sentimental to me. I really do appreciate messages like this. Like I said, these are the type of things that really do keep me going. Um, It's you guys that drive me to do this every day, you know, um, and do my research when I don't want to. Um, You know, I really am passionate I recently, you know, I've never did something like this before. I've always wanted to just because I was always a talker. I felt like I would always be really good at it. Um, but sports broadcasting and doing sports podcasts and something like that was never something I thought what I would be passionate about doing. And you guys have really shown me that I can do this. You know what I mean? Like having seen feedback like I'm about to read right now really does keep me going. Um, hearing messages saying that they thought that a, um, a customer thought it was ESPN radio really does warm, me heart, warm my heart. So it's messages like that and feedback I get from you guys that really I do appreciate. And I love doing this for, for you guys. You know, I love doing it. I recently, like I said, like I didn't think I would love something like this, but I really do. I love talking baseball. I love breaking down the game from a certain aspect of it because I played it my whole life. You know what I mean? So I know a lot about it. It's just going into it. You know, I just didn't know I would be in love with it the way I am. And thank you guys for doing that. So with that being said, this message comes from um, XG, um, and she said, Hey, Matt, I am 15 years old, and I love your show, bro. It means a lot that you care about your fans and give the best best show possible. I personally just want to say that you are my favorite podcast, too. And yes, this is coming from a girl, but I listen to you every day you come out and share your show as well. Thank you, Matt. And you know what? Thank you guys because, like I said, it's just it's because of you guys I do what I do, um, and I love doing this. You know, this is my favorite part of my day because I know you guys enjoy the content I put out, and I enjoy making the content I put out. So, like I said, I always want wanted this show ran by you guys. I want this show to be your guys' platform and get just me be able to put it out there for you. As far as your thoughts, what you guys want to know. Um, you know, if you guys have questions, let me know. You know, maybe I'll even do if you guys want, if you guys are listening to this, you guys play baseball and you guys have hitting and pitching videos you would like me to take a look at and break it down a little bit more for you. I'm, a, I'm more than a, uh, more than capable and more than happy to do that for you. You know, I played baseball my whole entire life. Like I said, I've been playing this game since I was four years old. Um, I've been a coach, so I can help you guys out if you guys really do want it. Um, and that's something I'd be more than happy to do. You know, um, I love every single one of you guys and I can't thank you guys enough for this opportunity you guys have given me. And, um, I just want to say thank you to you guys and XG for sending that very sentimental message. It really does mean a lot to me. And I thank you for sharing that with me. Um, next we are going to be reading an ad brought to you by state farm. So with that being said, let me pull this out. So this ad comes from state farm. When it comes to big-time decisions, having options is ideal. That's why you want a State Farm agent when choosing your insurance. State Farm knows everyone has a budget, and they have options like insuring your car, your home, 
and getting you great rates on both. They can help personalize your policy with options so you can get surprisingly great rates. So, so, so for surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. So there you go, guys. If you guys want, need home insurance, car insurance, go check out State Farm. Um, they're a great insurance company. You know, I know a lot of people that go through them. Um, and so far, I've only ever heard good things from them. So I'm assuming they would have to be really good. Um, I unfortunately do not. But maybe I will go and get a quote and maybe think about possibly changing. But who knows? We'll see. Um, with that being said, guys, we are going to jump right into this top 10 list. You know, I'm really excited to break this down because I think you guys are going to be surprised by a lot of these, um, by some of this list as well, because these kind of took me by surprise when I was watching the shows and um, kind of reading over these lists. I was they're very taken back by who they had at the top. So with that being said, we are going to go down. So the way I'm going to do this is, like I said, I took these lists. And I took what they were at face value as far as what MLB Network did. The way the MLB Network does it, they do, they take it and they go into advanced metrics to where they take the players past three seasons and they break down all their stats analytically, defense, um, run saved, all that type of advanced stuff that I understand but don't really understand. You know what I mean? Because I'm not the sharpest with advanced metrics. I kind of got out of the game before all that really took over. Um, I was kind of, when I got out, or when I stopped playing, spin rate started becoming more and more popular. Um, pitch, spin, and all that. Um, so they take all that into account, and they kind of break it all down and give you guys literally this top 10 by position list. So we're going to start off with first base, and we're going to work our way ba- or work our way all the way down. I believe we're closing with relief pitchers. So we'll go first, second, third, so on. So with that being said, with starting with first base, we'll work from the bottom up. So at number 10, they have Anthony Rizzo. Number nine, they have Joey Votto. Eight, they have Jose Abreu. Seven, they have Brandon Belt. Six, uh, Pete Alonzo. Five, Paul Goldschmidt. Four, Max Muncy. Three, Matt Olson. Two, Vlad Jr. And one, Freddie Freeman. So when I was first looking at this list, my initial thoughts were Brandon Belt is not the seventh best first baseman in the game. I am so sorry. I... <laughs> My buddy Bryce, um, who used to do what streaming here on BDL, um, can tell you I am probably the biggest proponent for the Giants to get rid of him. I've always said that I think you guys needed to get rid of him before things get worse. You know, right now you're riding this high here. Let's see if we can bring this up. So, first off, we're going to be all the stats that I'm going to be showing you guys right now is brought to you by Fangraphs. Fangraphs is a site to where I've always used all the stuff. You're able to go in here and it gives you in depth breakdown on every single lineup. Um, minor league roster, whatever you want to see, it literally has on here. So if you guys are really interested in baseball, like I am, I definitely encourage you guys to go and give this a look, but I want to go in here. Let's see. So right here, what we're looking at is this is Fangraphs rankings as far as position wise um, right now. So this is Fangraphs rankings as far as who they believe is the best first baseman in baseball. And right now that's Vlad Jr. They have Vlad Jr. at one, Matt Olson at two, Freeman at three, Alonzo at four, Goldie five, Rizzo at six, uh, Reese Hoskins at seven. That's a surprise. Um, Ty France at eight, Jared Walsh nine. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jim Manchoy 10. Okay. Dahlback 11. Wow. This is interesting. And then we go Brandon Belt at 12. So 
like I was telling my buddy Bryce, is that I th- I've always been a big believer that the Giants need to get rid of Brandon Belt before things get worse. Because right now they're riding off of this high that he's had. Hopefully, hopefully it pops up here. We're waiting on the stats to come through. It's still loading. But they're riding this high off of what he's been able to provide for the Giants thus far. So if you take a look back, they're riding off of this right here. He's had back-to-back seasons to where he's had really good numbers. So in 2020, at the age of 32, he played in 51 games, you know, in the shortened season for COVID. Um, I believe it was only a 60-game season. He played in, oh, okay, we don't want to brighten up anymore or what? I need to reload it. Give me one second while we try to bring this up. I want to give you guys the best visual possible so you guys can see it. But, I mean, you can see right there off of that that the two seasons that that he's played in, He's had a 274 average and a 309 average in the little bit that you can see right there because it's whited out. We're going to try to bring it back so we can get it more clear. Hopefully it clears up for us so we can get that. Let's see. But I've always said that they, because you guys are riding that high that he has of that 274 and that 309 mark, you know, and his on base has been good. 425 on base at 378. So he's been playing really good. Has hit 29 bombs last year in 97 games. But then you take a look back at what he's done also, okay? In, t- in 2019, he had 234. 2018, he had 253. 2017, he had 250 or 241. You know, these are not numbers that you want to see from your everyday first baseman. You, you want that power coming from the first base spot, and you're not really getting that. And in my opinion, he just does not have the bat for you guys to keep him. I would, if I've told Bryce, like, I think the Giants need to sell on Brandon Bell. Why his market's so high? Like, like for instance, MLB Network has him ranked as the number seventh best first baseman in baseball. He is not close to that. Um, so I think the Giants need to sell him, get the most possible they can, and get prospects back, whatever they can get back for him, to allow them to be able to compete for another championship, like the, the championship run like they went on. Because I don't think Brandon Bell's that guy that's going to be able to get him there, in my opinion. Um, so, in, on my list, on my list, I have Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, Pete Alonzo. Sorry, this is going from 1 to 10. Um, Vlad Jr., Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo, Max Muncy, Matt Olson. Um, I have uh, Jose Abreu at 7. And then I have Rizzo at 8. And then I have Votto at nine and Brandon Belt at ten. So I, I mean, like I said, I didn't take him completely out of there just because I didn't think it was right for me to really mess him up that much. I think if anything, I just wanted to re-rank them. So with that being said, I put Vlad Jr. at the top because he's one of the best young stars in the game. I don't think there's anyone that can really touch him at that point. Uh, Freeman is definitely top three worthy, so I put him at two. I think Goldie is a lot better um, first baseman than Matt Olson. I see. Another thing I found very common in these is that the guys that were just free agents, the big free agents, were all, I think, in the top five. You know, like Correa, Story, um, Matt Olson. You know, as great of a player as Matt Olson is, I do not think he's the third best first baseman in baseball. You know, I just named off a list of guys that I think are more than better or better than him at that position. So, like, I have Paul Goldschmidt in there. Here, actually, let's go take a look at Matt Olson. I know on here they have Matt Olson at two, huh? Yeah. So Matt Olson has the power numbers to be two. I just think Goldie's better. You know, I think position, I think fielding wise, hitting wise, Goldie is just a far better first baseman than 
what Matt Olson is. Because you look at last year, in 156 games, Matt Olson did hit 271. So that is actually really good. With a 371 on base percentage. That is why he got the contract that he did, because he had 39 bombs. You look at the shortened season. 14 bombs hit 195. Um, 2019 hit 267. Two, uh, 2018, I'm sorry, am I saying 219? 2019 he had 267, and 2018 he had 247. I mean, sorry, he had two. Let me see, 267 and 247. So right there kind of goes to show you that he has not been the premier guy at the plate. And if you go and look at Paul Goldschmidt's numbers, I feel like this guy's probably been one of the most consistent guys in the game as far as hitting goes. Because even when he was with the D-backs, he had to cover off the ball. Um, he also gives you just gives you that premier glove at first base to where you know you're going to get a gold glove cloud over first base. But yeah, look at this. So 294, 304, took a little bit of dip in 2019, hit 260. Before that, 290, 297, 297, 321. Like, come on, guys. Like, you're really telling me that Matt Olson, who so far is a career 250, 260 hitter, is a lot better than Paul Goldschmidt in that aspect? There's no way you're telling me that right now. So that is why I believe that Paul Goldschmidt is the number three best player in base or best first baseman in baseball because I don't think there's anyone that comes close to him fielding or hitting wise that is able to compete with him at that level. So I have Goldie at three and then the rest of the order just kind of falls into place. Um, I do have Olsen at six, so he's not that too far down. I do think he's a better first baseman than Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu gives you a lot of power. Um, gives you a pretty decent glove. Um, I just don't think the contact is all the way there. I think his upside's more so for that power than anything else. Um, Anthony Rizzo. I just want to see him take a bigger jump from last year than he does. I think he's poised for a big season. I think he's going to do really well in a full year in pinstripes just because he does have that short porch at his disposal again, and he's able to use that. So far, he has two home runs in two games. So in Yankee Stadium, he's proven he can hit that, and I think it just is going to take him that full year in Yankee Stadium to really show and take this league by storm. So I think by next year, he can even see himself in the top five conversation again. Um, and then Votto and Bell obviously at 9 and 10. So – that was my list, um, and that's my little spiel as far as who I thought was a better first baseman than what the MLB Network took it. Um, so next we're going to jump into second baseman. So MLB Network at second base has Contel Marte of the Diamondbacks, Marcus Simeon of the Blue Jays. Here, actually, let's switch this over so we can see. We'll take three different rankings now that we're on this. We'll take Fangraph's rankings, my rankings, and MLB Network's rankings. So on... Here they have Cantel Marte as the best second baseman in baseball. Uh, for MLB Network's list, sorry. MLB Network's list has Cantel Marte at one, Marcus Simeon at two, Brandon Lau at three, Jose Altuve at four, Jonathan India at five, Jake Cronesworth at six, Jorge Polanco seven, Ozzy Albies at eight, Jeff McNeil nine, and Chris Taylor at ten. So again, Chris Taylor, I believe, um, is kind of hard to put in that conversation just because of the kind of player he is um so for second baseman i put down here that i have i put Cattell Marte, Ho, uh, jose altuve marcus simeon for my top three uh, brandon lau at four jonathan india five um albies at six crones were seven polanco eight. Oh, actually i forgot i forgot at second base that i actually added him in here i didn't put him as an honorable mention i think later on in the list i decided to do honorable mention um when i started so i actually have dj lemayhew at nine for me, I thought it was insane that you have Chris Taylor in here over DJ LeMahieu because 
DJ LeMahieu is by far a better player than Chris Taylor is, in my opinion. Um, and then at 10, I had Jeff McNeil. Um, so, and then on here for fan graphs, we take a look. They have Brandon Lau, one, Simeon, two, Trevor Story, three, um, Albies, four, Tuve, five, India, six, Polanco, seven, Cronesworth, eight, Marte, nine, and then 10, um, DJ LeMahieu slash Glaber Torres, whatever you want, one you want to put in. But let's take a look here at DJ LeMahieu's numbers here. Because the fact that he was not on this list was just insane to me. Because even if you were to take away last year, last year was probably, or I guess you can say an off year for DJ LeMahieu. And even in that quote-unquote off year that he had, he still hit 268. Close to his 270 mark. I know that's not his numbers, but let's take a look at this, guys. Come on. Like, you cannot tell me this guy is not top 10 worthy. We're going to take a look at DJ's numbers and we go look at Chris Taylor's numbers because, in my opinion, I was just blown away at the fact that this guy was not in the lineup because I thought it was just ridiculous. If this will load up, I know I ran this already and it did not give me any problems, and now it's giving me problems and I'm kind of upset about it. So let's see here. Please load. Please load. But, I mean, just given, I mean, he won a batting title in 2020. And here we go. So in here we go. So 2020, he had 364. 2019 had 327. 2018, he had 276. And then 2017, he had three 310. So this guy's been probably a career what? What is his career number so far? Does it tell me? No, it gives me his projections. Um, it's been a career 300 hitter. So you're telling me a career 300 hitter is not a top 10 worthy and Chris Taylor is a better second baseman than he is. Yeah, right. On what world is that happening? So now if we go back, let's go to the Dodgers right here. Chris Taylor. Let's see what Chris Taylor's done to deserve that top 10 spot because I do not believe this guy is top 10 worthy at all. He's not even top 10 worthy in any single position that he plays. He's able to play second base. He's able to play second base and outfield. I don't think he's top 10 in either one of those either. So let's take a look at these numbers. So last year he had 254, and that's top 10 worthy. 2020, he had 270. The year before that, 2019, 262. The year before that, he had 254. Like, why are we putting Chris Taylor and putting him up on a pedestal the way we are? Is he on the Dodgers? Yes. Does that mean he's top 10 worthy? No. So stop putting him on that pedestal to where we're giving him that credibility just because he's on the Dodgers. I do not believe he is the second, the. What was he? The 10th best second baseman in baseball. There were way better players, far better than he is at that position. So, like I said, so with that, I have LeMahieu at nine. Is he a top five? You can make a case for that, but I still believe Polanco and Cronenworth are still better than him at that position. India, Lau, Simeon, Altuve, and Marte are all far better second baseman than he is at well. Like I said, the biggest thing for me with this list, it's not really – a big discussion. I think Altuve deserved to be higher just because of what he gives. You know, he gives you that ability to hit for contact. He has that ability to hit for power. Like I told you guys with the top 10 list, like if you're going to be top five, you have to be the best defensive one at your position. You have to be the best contact hitter, the best power hitter, and still be able to give yourself a leadership role on that team. And in my eyes, I think that's what my top five represents. Um, there's a lot of give or take here with the MLB's top 10, but these second basemen could all go flip or flop. I think there's a lot of argument here 
at second base to where it doesn't really matter which way you shape it or which way you put it. Everyone could see like Simeon at one. You can make a case for Lau at one. Um, you can make a case for Marte at one like they have. Uh, India, I don't know if he's in that one discussion, but he can definitely be in that top five. Uh, I mean, top three conversation. You know, there's a second base. It's just a good position as far. I mean, a guy that I think also with me saying that, that I think is going to be able to get in this top five or top five, top 10 conversation is Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal, the Chicago Cubs. I think that guy is poised for a big year. Um, He's hit 300 ever since being in the majors. You know, he was with the White Sox beforehand, had a very, very good year, and then he got hurt. So I expect him with the Cubs to be able to take that step forward, take that, have a healthy season hurt. First off, he has to have that and be able to put together a really good year that helps the Cubs out and gives them that jump that they're looking for. And it gives them that ability to be a big time team. Um, so look out for Nick Madrigal to be on this list next year. So next up, we are going to be discussing third base. So third base for me was kind of an area that, again, has a lot of discussion to be had. Um, so at third base, they have Jose Ramirez at one. They have Rafi Devers at two. Alex Bregman, Alex Bregman at three. Justin Turner at four. Donaldson at five. Anthony Rendon at six. Machado seven. Arenado at 8, Yuan Mankato at 9, and Chris Bryan at 10. So in my list, I have Ramirez at 1 because I do believe he is the best first, or I mean, best, the best third baseman in baseball. I have Bregman at 2, Devers at 3, Chato at 4, Nato at 5, Justin Turner at 6, Donaldson at 7, Bryan at 8, uh, Mankato at 9, and Rendon at 10. See, with my list, I just don't think Rendon has really given me enough with the Angels. Um, he proved it with the Nationals, but, I mean, he's just battled injuries and has not been able to stay healthy with the Angels. They were, I want to grant him that top higher ranking like they have him. Um, I want to, but I don't really see it. Um, I thought Donaldson at five was insane. The fact of the matter is you're putting him at five at the at that standard is just to me, that doesn't really make sense. I think he is a top 10 third baseman in the league, but for him to be at five is crazy because, I I mean, to say that Nolan Arenado is a worse third baseman than Josh Donaldson to me is just dumb because Arenado is such a great player. Like, I don't know why people continue to doubt this guy. I know you – the thing is, I've, I feel like I've talked about Arenado a lot on the show as far as being um, a guy for the Cardinals to one, take a jump with. But also I feel like I've talked about him a lot just because I feel like there's a lot of doubt with what this guy can do. I feel like there are a lot of doubters that don't believe that he's able to have a big year. And I want to be one of those ones that jumps on it and be like, Hey, I told you so because Nato is such a good player. He took a dip last year, but that's not who Arenado is. Everyone knows that Arenado is that MVP type player that he was in Colorado, right? So just give him a year to, I mean, he had that year last year with uh, St. Louis to get his feet wet. Now watch him have a big year this year. I'm marking it down. Put it here first, mark it down your books and get ready to tweet it out at the end of this year when Nada wins the MVP. You're going to be able to say that Matt Gutierrez called it and he knew what he was talking about because look at this guy's numbers. I mean, Look, at, he had 255 last year. Colorado, he had a little bit of dip in the COVID year. But you look at the years before that. 315, 297, 309, 294, 
287. And then you look at these power numbers, two, uh, 41 bombs, 38 bombs, 37, 40, 42, 34 even last year in a down year where he had 255. Like, come on. Like, there's no way that he is not one of the top five best third basemen in baseball. He provides it with the glove, you know, and then he also does it with the bat. So I hate that people continue to dog on Arenado because I think he is one of the premier best first base or third baseman in the game. And I mean, even Fangraphs has him ranked in the top five. So I'm not completely out of my mind when I say that. So a Fangraphs rankings, they have Ramirez at one, Bregman at two, Devers at three. So, so far they have pretty much the same as I do. Machado at four, Nato five, Donaldson at six, Rendon seven, Chapman at eight. I completely honestly forgot about Chapman. Um, Taylor Walls, and then Austin Riley and Mankato. 10 and 11. Bobby Witt could probably be honestly in that conversation by the end of the year when he gets on fire, he starts catching fire. Um, but Matt Chapman, I don't think he's the eighth best. I mean, defensively, yes. I think he does play a really, really good third base. Um, but he has not been there with the bat. You know, he's been hitting, like, I want to say, like, I think, right there, like it says right there, 299. Let me see what he hit last year when it loads up. Last year he hit, come on. My internet's really bad in my house too, so that can have a lot to do with it. Let's see. He had 210 last year, 232, 249. So yeah, he's been at what, like a career 250? Yeah, career 250 hitter in his career. It's just at third base, you want a guy that's going to be able to give you more pop than he does average, I would say. I think that's what a lot of people look for in a third baseman. But the fact of the matter is like, you got to be content with a guy that's going to be able to perform for you with the power numbers and then be able to give you a solid third base. I think at third base, he's underperforming as a third baseman. Like I'm okay with having a 250 to 260 probably batting average, but when you're hitting below that 250 mark and you're giving me a 240, 235 to 240 in batting average, like I cannot hold on to you any more longer. And I think that's what the A's did. I was actually happy that the A's did this because I think this this was a smart move in their aspect that they were able to move on, clear some money with um, with Chapman, in addition to getting guys back for him, as well as being able to probably pr- be able to upgrade here in the near future at third base because I don't as much as they love Chapman there in Oakland, I don't think he was that guy for him and the guy was going to be this problem solved for him. So, with that being said, I mean he's not even on either top ten ranking, so I mean obviously they saw it as well. Um, but that was probably the only thing I think on the third baseman's ranking that I thought I really didn't agree with with MLB was that Josh Donaldson was five. Rendon was six. I thought they could, like I have on mine that they're bumped down. Nato got dogged. Um, he should easily be top five. Machado should easily be to five or six. Um, and then after that, I kind of agree with everything else. But um, Machado is just another guy that I think plays a stellar third base, has always has, has a solid bat and is able to get it done. So I thought that was a guy that kind of got robbed in the rankings as well. Um, but he's going to go out and prove it this year. I already know he will. Um, I don't know how he started off this year so far. So maybe next episode I will break down uh, Machado and see how he's done so far. Um, next position we're going to talk about is shortstop. So shortstop is a very interesting topic because I think a lot of these shortstops can really go either way as well. It's one of those positions to where there's so much depth there that you can't really have a wrong answer. Um, it's just a matter of how you view it, I guess. So, like I said, MLB Network and the Shredder, they put Tatis Jr. at one, Trey Turner at two, Carlos Correa at three, 
Uh, Xander Bogart, Bogarts, four. Corey Seager, five. Trevor Story, six. Bo Bichette, seven. Tim Anderson, eight. Francisco Lindor, nine. And then Wander Franco at ten. And on my list, I have it go Turner, Trey Turner, Fernando Tatis, Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Xander Bogarts, Bo Bichette, Francisco Lindor, Tim Anderson, Wander Franco, and then Trevor Story. So um, let's see what I switched up. I think Turner is one of the best players in the game just because he's what he's able to do with his speed, plays a solid shortstop, gets on base, and is a difference maker. I think that's the biggest thing with him and what separates him from Fernando Tatis is that he's such a big difference maker in a ball game. You know, he has a capability to hit for contact, steal a bag, and then be able to score a run. You know, Fernando, Fernando Tatis can get on. Um, I just don't think he has that factor like Trey Turner does. That's why I have him over – I have Turner over him in that aspect. Um, and then other than that, I my list I think kind of corresponds with them a little bit. Um Story, I don't think is the sixth best shortstop. I thought he was probably at the bottom. I would have put, I would put Bichette, Anderson, and Lindor all over Trevor Story, um, in my opinion, and Franco probably in that. So that's why I have Story at the number ten shortstop. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just not sold on Trevor Story. You know, I was big, big on him coming to the Yankees when he was a free agent, mainly because he plays a really good shortstop, the defensive position. But at the plate, I mean, he doesn't give you a whole lot at the dish. Um, he might be under second baseman now, huh? Ross, because he would have been right here. Let's go check out his stats. Let's go to shortstop. So we could check out Trevor Story's stats. So with Trevor Story, I've just not been sold on him. I don't think he plays as good. I mean, I don't think he hits as good as what people seem to believe he does. Like, let's see here. So in the years past, once this loads up, in the years past, he's hit. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, prove me wrong. Why don't you, huh? He had 289 in 2020, 294 in 19, and 291. Okay, yeah. He said, be quiet, man. You see, I can rake. Okay, so last year was probably the only down year that he had. He had 251. Um, so maybe I really do need to reconsider Trevor's story a little bit. I didn't think he had that great of an offensive production as of late. Uh, maybe I'm just holding on to last year as far as that 251 average. But I still do not think he's top six. In baseball, I still would have Bichette. Maybe I would switch Bichette and Story in the MLB rankings as far as putting Bichette over Story. I really like Bo Bichette and what he brings to a ball club. Um, Lindor would probably be over Story, in my opinion. So that puts Story still in the 8 to 10 range. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I'm not sold on Story. I need to see more from him this year in order for me to really consider him a really elite caliber shortstop. I mean, yeah, shortstop or slash second baseman now because he slides over to second base and Xander's over there at short. Um, so I think he's going to take that step up defensive-wise and be able to hit a little bit more being over at second base now with the Red Sox and being in that lineup that gives him a little bit more production that he had in Colorado. So I think it takes a little bit of the weight off since you have Bogarts, Devers, um, Verdugo. You have all these guys that are really, really good hitters that you have to protect you. So... I can see him taking a step up with the bat and being able to prove a little bit more. Um, moving right along, we do have catchers. So in this one, I had no argument. This is probably one of the positions I didn't think there was really any debate to be had um, as far as the rankings go. So I do have – so the rankings go as follows. They go um, JT Ramuto, one. Yasmani Grandal, two. Will Smith, three. Wilson Contreras, four. Salvador Perez, five. Mitch uh, Mitch Garvers, six. 
Sean Murphy, seven. Jacob Stallings, eight. Mike Zaninos, nine. And then Carson Kelly at 10. I didn't really see any debate here. I agree with this list 100%. I do believe that the top three or top five are all top five best catchers in baseball. Um, Yachty, I know you can say is probably one of the best defensive catchers in baseball, but as of late, he has not been hitting very well. Um, he's more for a defensive line, a defensive caliber catcher that you're looking for more on the defensive side than he is the offensive side. And that's completely fine. Um, but all these guys right here are capable of hitting and producing really good numbers. Um, Sean Murphy hasn't shown that late with the A's. Um, when he first came up, he really did hit really well. I believe he hit probably close to 270, if I'm not mistaken, when he first came up. Let's take a look. Um, but the catcher situation, I completely agree with. I think all of these guys are rightfully ranked in the in the, in that aspect. Um, I just wanted to see real quick what his numbers were when he first came up because I know he hit the cover off the ball when he first came up. He's only been in the league for a couple years. Um, so let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay, he had 245, which is kind of respectable for a catcher. He's more of a defensive guy, same as Yachty, to where you're looking at the defensive output from him more than you are his offensive output. So, I mean, even more so, excuse me, with that being said, I would probably even slide Sean Murphy down from 7 to 10 um, and then have Murphy and Kelly probably at 9 and 10. Zanino gives you a lot of pop at the plate. I would move him up to seven, Stallings at eight, and then everything else probably would be as follows. Um, but that's not a huge dump in my in rankings. I don't think there's any argument to be had there. Um, according to Fangraphs, they have Yasmani Grandal at one, Will Smith at two, Mitch Garver's at three, Murphy at four, Ramuto at five. Wow, that's shocking. Stallings, six, Dan Jansen at seven, Zanino, eight, Perez at nine, and then Travis Darno at ten. Contreras at 11. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I don't know if Wilson Contreras is 11th best. I think he's definitely top five where they just what he brings behind the plate and at the dish. Um, it gives you that different type of look. Um, that's just my opinion, though. But I do agree with the MLB's rankings as far as how the Shredder put it out. I do think these guys are all the top 10 best catchers in the game. Um, with that being said, moving on to left field. Um, a left field, MLB top 10 rankings had Jesse Winker one. Joey Gallo at two, Christian Yelich at three, Michael Brantley four, Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber five, Brandon Nemo, uh, Nemo at six, Tyler O'Neill seven, AJ Pollock at eight, Austin Meadows at nine, and then Marcelo Zuno at ten. Um, this is one that I thought was kind of very, very questionable as far as having Ozuna and Pollock in there because you look at this list, for me, you're missing two guys that have a really big impact on the game. Um, for their teams. I know one of them got hurt, that one of those being. So I have honorable mention, and like I said, I did have a couple later on, and this is where it happened. Eloy Jimenez not being on this list is kind of crazy because he gives you guys, he gives the White Sox such a different look um, at the plate and gives them a really big boost in that lineup um, when he's healthy. You know, last year he had to miss because he got hurt, but he's been able to ball out when he is healthy. Um when it loads up here, like I said. So, yeah, look at that. 296 in shortened season. He had 267 in 2019. But I think this is a guy, after coming off his injury, he's going to have a big year. Uh, same with being next to uh, Luis Roberts. And you have Abreu, Moncado, Tim Anderson. Like, you got a lot of good bats on that team that can help you take that next jump. So, I think Eloy Jimenez is definitely a guy that should have been on this list because I think he plays a really good left field as well. And then another guy I have is Alex Verdugo. 
I think Verdugo's was more than deserving to be on this list as well. Um, my list, or was that my list? Let me think. No, no, no. So my list goes um, Jesse Winker at one, Yelich at two, Gallo at three. Um, just because I think Yelich is still in that top two conversation. I know he's been injured a lot lately, but I think he's going to have a bounce back here this year to be over to take over that two spot. Um, Gallo really is up there mainly because of his defense. Last year took a really big dip offensively as far as average goes. So if he's able to get the average back up, um, which I think he will, I think same with Rizzo as far as being that full year with the Yankees. I think he's going to be able to take a better step. Uh, Michael Brantley, four, Schwarber, five, Tyler Renell, six, uh, Nimmo, seven, Meadows, eight, Pollock, nine, and then Azuna is still at 10. So the only two that I thought that were deserving to be on here were Alex Verdugo and, and Eloy Jimenez. Other than that, I thought the list was pretty accurate. Um, I didn't really see any conflicts there um, for left field. Um, I would just really like to see that step being taken forward for Gallo. I think he's going to be poised for a big year as well. If he's able to figure it out at the dish, you know, he does walk probably more than anyone else on the Yankees. So if he's able to take that step forward, continue to get more walks and be able to be on base and do all the things that he's needed to, he's going to be, he's going to work out to be just fine for the Yanks. Um, moving on, um, let me see here. We have center field and right field, which I didn't have any arguments with either position. So I'm just going to re- run straight down these lists. So we have them down. Um, so at 10, oh, sorry for one for center field. Obviously we have Mike Trout Two, They have George Springer three, um, Brian, but Byron Buxton four, Brian Reynolds, five, Luis Roberts, six, Jake, uh, Starling Marte. Seven was Cedric Mullins, eight, Cody uh, Cody Bellinger, nine, Ramon Lariano, and then 10, Adam Duvall. I didn't see any disagreements in this, um, even any shifting. I thought this one was very, very accurate as far as who the best center fielders in the game were. I agree that George Springer is probably the second best short, I mean, center fielder in the game just because of what he provides at the dish, um, being able to come back in the time that he did last year, you know, coming off an injury and then still being able to have a big bat like he was able to was huge for the Blue Jays, and I think he's going to do really good for them as well this year with the full season if he can stay healthy. Um, no disagreements there. And then in a right field, I don't have any arguments here either. I thought this list was pretty accurate. Um, you have Juan Soto at one, Bryce Harper at two, Ronald Acuna at three, Judge at four, Betts five, Kyle Tucker at six, Cassiano seven, Teoscar Hernandez at eight, Mark Canna at nine, and then Randy Arena at ten. I didn't see any de- like anything wrong here either. I thought this list was pretty accurate. I thought that the top five are definitely in their own category as far as you can shift those however way you want to put it, whether you want to put Acuna at one, Acuna. Um, actually, I would say one's probably the only solidified spot, I think, from two on down. Two and five, you can shift them all. You could say Acuna's two, Judge's two, Mookie Betts is two. Um, there's like an argument to be had for any of those. I don't see anything wrong with trying to make an argument for those. Cause I think from two on f- two to five, they can all be shifted around. So I think honestly, it's like kind of like a tie off for second place in my opinion. Um, but Juan Soto is clear cut the best right fielder in baseball. So that one I'm completely fine with. And then moving on to the end of things, <coughs> excuse me, moving on to the end of things, we do have our last two positions. So that being the starting pitcher and relief pitcher. So, for starting pitcher, uh, we have Jacob DeGrom at one, Garrett Cole two, Max Scherzer three, Walker Buehler four, Brandon Woodruff 
five, Zach Wheeler, six, Lance Lynn, seven, Shane Bieber at eight, Corbin Burns at nine, and then Lucas Giolito being at 10 for starting pitchers. So for me, I highly disagreed with this list from the very moment that it started. Um, Having Lucas Giolito at 10 should not be a thing. I definitely think he's just outside that top five conversation. In my opinion, I think what he brings to the mound for the White Sox being that ace is just a whole different level. He has really nasty stuff. Um, is more than capable to get guys out on a high level. And then having Lance Lynn above him in this category is just, for me, just doesn't make sense. Um, so that's why on my list, I actually have Lynn down to nine. Um, so my list goes Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller. Um, and then I have Corbin Burns at five. Um, Lucas Giolito at six, Shane Bieber at seven, Zach Wheeler at not, or eight, Lance Lynn at nine, and then Brandon Woodruff at 10. See, I'm not counting out Woodruff. I think he's a very, very good pitcher. I just think Corbin Burns is better. You know, I don't agree with Woodruff being five. I just think that's kind of crazy to me. Um, let's see what Fangraphs thinks. I'm really interested in seeing where Fangraphs ranks these guys. If I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if Fangraphs has Corbin Burns at one. Okay, no. So one is the Mets, or one is Scherzer, two is Cole, three, they do have Woodruff over Burns. Wow, okay. Woodruff over Burns, four, the Giants. Okay, Logan Webb, five, the White Sox, Sessa, Giolito, okay. Nola, six. Okay, wow, this list is really interesting. So I don't know, if, I don't know how this, I thought they rated it off of, actually, maybe it's not here. No, I don't know. I don't know how they rank these. It's very interesting. Oh, maybe it goes off team ERA. I think that's what this goes off of. Yeah, innings pitch, team ERA, FIP, and WAR. Okay, so that's how this list is broken down. That makes more sense. Um, so it's not necessarily the top pitcher. It's based off of positional wise. Okay, that makes more sense. But with that being said, I do agree. Um, I do think Corbin Burns is a far better pitcher than what Brandon Woodruff is. Um, I also think Beebs is very low. I think he. Actually, not have him super super far low. I just think Lance Lynn is less than him. I think the only thing with this list I would do is move Lynn and Woodruff down and move everyone up. Um, that's the only thing I had with this list. I do not five. That's very high price for Brandon Woodruff. Um, so that was the only thing there. Relief pitchers, I didn't have any problem with. Um, I really liked this list. I thought it stood as it was. Um, so with that being said, they have Josh Hader at one, Liam Hedricks at two, Devin Williams at three. Emmanuel Classe at four, Ryan Presley five, six, Colin McHugh, uh, Rossiel Iglesias at seven, Craig Kimbrell at eight, Jordan Romano at nine, and then Jonathan Luisiega at 10. I didn't really have any problem with this list. I thought this list was fairly, fairly accurate. Um, I don't believe Chapman should be on here. I know there's probably some that are like, do you think Chapman should be on here? No, I do not. Um, I think he's been too shaky as far as, not being able to have a clean uh, clean games from time to time. He does have the capability of giving up a long ball, blowing a save, walking, um, lots control uh, issues, I think, at times. Um, because he, he's very weird as far as that goes. Like He shows games where he has very good control of his slider and his fastball, and then he has other days where his fastball is very erratic, and then his slider is off as well. So, I mean, I, I mean that's every pitcher. I'm not saying he has to be perfect. Uh, because as a pitcher, I do understand you having good games and bad games. I just do not feel like he's been at that elite level that a lot of these guys here at this top 10 in the relief pitcher role 
have been. Um, I think Hayter's been one of the most lights out closers in the game for a very long time. Same with Hendricks, same with Devin Williams, Classe. A five, I could make the argument that Presley shouldn't be a five. Um, I think Romano and Luis Diego should be up higher than McHugh, Iglesias, and probably, no, Kimbrell. If anything, I would move Kimbrell, Romano, and Luis Diego up, drop Presley, McHugh, and Iglesias down. Um, I just think those guys, especially Luis Diego, being able to watch him, he just has electric stuff and is able to do things with the baseball that no one else does. Um that's another guy I probably would move up other in this situation. But other than that, I really do like the rankings. I really do think that it's very fitting. I think all of them are fitting in their own right. Um, but, yeah, pretty much it. Um, but that's going to do it for the rankings, guys. Um, let me know what you guys think. Feel free to let me know um, your guys' thoughts, what your rankings are. If you guys want to take the time and go through each position and let me know. Um, out of the top 10 and will be network who you guys would place higher than others. Um, let me know your thoughts. I'm really interested in hearing that um, and seeing what you guys have to say. But with that being said, guys, to wrap up this show, we are going to be taking a look and a read from our last sponsor. Our last sponsor comes from Nike. <clears throat> Did you know that once upon a time, Nike's product product catered only uh, almost exclusively to marathon runners? Then a fitness craze craze emerged, and the folks in Nike marketing department knew they had to take advantage of it. To surpass their main competitor, Reebok, and so in the late 1980s, Nike created the Just Do It campaign. It was a hit. In 1988, Nike sales were at $800 By 1998, sales exceeded $9.2 billion. Just Do It was short, sweet, yet encapsulated everything people felt when they were exercising. And people just still feel that same feeling today. Don't want to don't wanna run five miles? Just do it. Don't want to walk up four flights of stairs? Just do it. It's a slogan. It's a slogan we can all relate to. The drive to push ourselves beyond our limits. Shop Nike whenever, wherever, just do it. So with that being said, guys, that is going to, that is going to conclude today's episodes. Thank you guys for watching. I really do appreciate each and every single one of you guys. Like I said, if you guys have fan questions, please be sure to reach me at the socials. I mentioned earlier in the program, um, be sure to look out for more BDL shows coming out. We still have one of one, the uh, one of one, the mansion, the Owen show, all these great shows under the BDL brand that we love doing and putting out for you guys. Um, let me know what you guys think about this video aspect. Um, it's very new to me. I know it was new to you guys probably when we first started. Um, let me know what you guys think. If you guys like it, like, let me know. If you guys like just doing audio, let me know that as well. Um, we're trying something out. We're trying something new. And also be sure to send me in new show name ideas that you guys may have. Um, like I said, I'm really interested in possibly changing the name. Let me know what you guys think and what you guys are thinking along those lines. Um, but other than that, guys, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, afternoon, or night, whenever you guys are listening to this. Take care and God bless.